Good evening and welcome back to another live episode of Red Tinted Glasses on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. It is the Monday after the Saturday defeat at Tynecastle where the Dons' third place hopes were maybe slightly dented but maybe slightly unaffected depending what viewpoint you have. Um, I know which one I certainly felt at full time mm -hmm. on Saturday, but said we're doing this on Monday evening. Callum, have you calmed down slightly from full time on Saturday? Uh, not well. I've calmed down, but I'm now just terrified about what's going to happen on Wednesday. Um, I'm really worried that everything's going to, you know, go up in flames. You know, with Hearts going to Rangers. How many times have they laid down for their big brothers? And now when they need a result. Could be, could all be sorted. Could all be sorted, and I'm just worried. And St Mirren have looked pretty good lately. I'm, I'm just very, very scared, Glenn. Yeah, it's um, we've made it harder than we maybe needed to. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, a win on Saturday would have sealed um, third place and the potential of group stage football that, that comes with it. But it's not like Aberdeen to do things the easy way, of course. And it is that that hope that that kills you. But I mean, we could maybe take the result with a pinch of salt, given the fact that we did have to make changes to the team from um, previous. And of course, missing three key players is never going to be easy, especially three players that have had such an influence on the team. With Duke missing out through injury, Ross McCrory likewise as well, uh, and Graham Shinney serving the last of that four-game frivolous um, appeal. Um, that ban, that extra game, really coming back to to bite us with, of course, the game that he missed at the weekend. Mm -hmm. But I think as well, the weekend maybe just showed some of the lack of depth that we potentially have in the squad, but also I think for some of the players also showed something that we'd been speaking about for the last few weeks, the fact that, um, you know, Barry Robson hasn't really utilised his bench. So some of the players were maybe missing out on, you know, match sharpness, match mm -hmm. fitness. Jaden Richardson, prime example of that. You look at the fact that both goals came down his side, maybe Hearts using that uh, as a weakness. Connor Barron came into the, the midfield. I didn't actually think Connor had an overly bad game. Um, I know I was quite critical of the midfield um, in my full-time tweet, but for me, that was mainly Yoba Ramadani, who I thought was really bad. But, mm. I mean, there were three forced changes, but... It, we've got to play the cards that we've got to be dealt. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think Robson also said post-match that McDonald had to go off because he had, was dealing with a stomach bug and Clarkson wasn't feeling fantastic either. And we lost Coulson just before the game too. So not ideal. I thought Watkins, in fairness, actually came in and did pretty well considering his lack of lack of game time. Um, on Barron, I didn't really notice him that much, which is... I suppose it's kind of a good sign because he didn't do all that terrible, but also not a great sign because he didn't do all that much. Um, but no, it wasn't... You, I, the problem was, you know, we do struggle with a bit of depth. Those players that we do usually take off the bench have had to come in and start, and then once they're starting, there's very little left behind them. Um, and I think we really suffered with that. But yeah, good news, I say that um, those three will likely be back uh, for, for the game against St Mirren if Robson's comments post-match are to be believed which you'd like to think they would be mm. um, and hopefully a fully fit Angus McDonald, Clarkson and Matty Pollock as well by this point I'd lost complete interest in the game but didn't he have to go off too? 
no, Matty Pollock played the full he ninety. Got, he got, he got, he had, he had a little bit of treatment anyway. I know that much. I remember him walking about with a physio at some point. Yeah, because he got absolutely KO'd on the halfway line. Um, I think right on the ninetieth minute, um, or maybe eighty fifth minute. But you're doing well to remember that because you were definitely enjoying yourself um, on Saturday. It's fair to say. Um, and I, I wonder if Phil Mayer is tuning in because I hope he's enjoying the T-shirt that you're wearing. Um, at least you had something to cheer about with your American netball team currently. Oh, very good. Very, yeah. very good. The real sport. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking joy in Miami being good. Um, I'd like all three of my sports teams to be good at once for once. Uh, throughout the regular season, Miami terrible. Aberdeen, pretty terrible. Newcastle, good. Now, Newcastle, good. Miami, good. Aberdeen, bad. So we'll get there eventually. Hopefully by the end of the season, I'll just be delighted with all three. Yeah. I did like your T-shirt on Saturday, though. Um, the Willie Miller T-shirt from Harvam that um, the club have got from the Gothenburg Rangers. It was very nice. It inspired me to go and get this one from the club shop today when I was picking up tickets for Celtic away. So good marketing, Callum. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, well. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. A man of fashion. Who thought we'd be do that? You can tell Caitlin I think you're a man of fashion. Um, Kaiser, good to have you along uh, on the lives as you normally are. Um, Marley Watkins is all, always a willing worker, of course. Marley Watkins, normally the go-to first substitution for Barry Robson, granted a start given the, the injuries that we had. And, you know, I actually thought Marley had a good, good game. He put himself about, uh, maybe too much at times, obviously picking up the booking um, with Cami Devlin, but... You couldn't you couldn't fault his effort, I think it's fair to say. No, uh I, I would agree willing worker. I thought he yeah, certainly put himself about quite well. Sometimes his link up play with Miofsky was pretty good, but then also at times it was clear it was a man that hadn't played um that much football and him coming in, although he did quite well in a game like that is not ideal. Yeah, and you know, he was involved in quite a lot of the the incidents, of course. Um in the first half, which we'll we'll come on to, but I guess when we we previewed the game with Graham um, last week, we discussed the fact that Aberdeen would have opportunities from set pieces, uh, and Hearts would probably look to come out and, and take the game to um, Aberdeen. And I think it's fair to say that really followed the pattern because Hearts did come out and try to lay siege to our goal, but I thought once again we looked very defensively resolute and. Um, if it wasn't Keller Rose, there was Angus McDonald, Connor Barron, Leighton Clarkson putting their bodies on the line to get in the way of shots. And really, we just looked to cause Hearts problems on the counter-attack, which I, I thought we were doing to effect without really testing Xander Clark, I, I think, though. Yeah, I would agree. Um, having watched the highlights back, because that was required, uh, yeah. and, and the analysis afterwards, there was a few times where we were on the break at times, just the final ball wasn't quite there or someone took a bad touch and that gave up the chance. So that obviously wasn't reflected in, in terms of shots in the match. But I thought we, we were okay. It, it was it was nervy at times, uh, very nervy at times. Um, mm. But it, it sort of did pan out the way I'd expected. Uh, I'm just kind of annoyed that we didn't make more of set pieces, if I'm being honest. Even though we did <clears> score and right before... We scored, got the corner. I said, "Here we go, Matty Pollock scoring here." He did. I thought it was a genius, uh, and obviously he missed a, a chance later on, which would have been very similar to the one he scored yeah. at Patoji against Hearts. I think. I mean, I'm sure was that not a one nil when he missed that that header? I it was. Yeah, it would have made it two 0 It would have made it two 0 Yeah, um, but he did 
get on the end of, I think it was Leighton Clarkson's corner to, to head us into the lead. And I, I mean, I thought at that point I, I was surprised because we had been kind of maybe riding our luck a little bit defensively. But as Graham said, unfortunately for Hearts, they give up easy chances defensively from set pieces and we took advantage of that well. But uh, as well as going up, I felt maybe after about five, ten minutes when Hearts really did look a bit rocky and we had that chance through Matty Pollock, we didn't really kind of capitalise on on being ahead in the game. Not really. Um, I think, although Hearts had that rocky spell, that was, you know, the, the way they played in that game, it was very free-flowing, bombing forwards, and we just really struggled to get a grip of it uh, a lot of time, which we you'd have liked to see um, us do once we'd got uh, the goal in front. But obviously, at Sandcastle in a big game like that, they were obviously obviously going to look and try and respond relatively quickly, which unfortunately they did. Um, however, I would have liked to see us control it a little bit more. Maybe then that's where you're missing, like a ball carrier, like do can you take the pressure off uh, Graham Shinney in the midfield and, and like I suppose there's a ball carrier on the other side, McCrory. Yeah, and I think as well the problem we had was Kevin Clancy uh, must have got a new set of cards on Friday night because he was quite happy to dish them out, especially to anybody in white. And Marley Watkins picks up a booking um, and, you know, he can fair put himself about. Johnny Hayes picked up a really stupid booking. Um, I think, you know, he really struggled on, on Saturday up against Oda. Um, the, the, the booking he picked up really kind of took Johnny's um, threat out of the game because he couldn't make a tackle at left back. Um, Ramadani picked up a booking as well. So all those kind of physical players that our that we had in you know the, the midfield enforcer such as Ramadani that affected his performance a lot but one of the key talking points in that first half um of course when we were one off I'm sure it was uh, I could be wrong <laughs> you can tell how much we were paying attention despite being there um after all that faff we had in appeals we had to get an away end ticket we both managed to be there Marley Watkins going down under the challenge of Peter Haring and um, despite well, what seemed to be the fact that VAR did take a long look at it, and um, Kevin Clancy wasn't encouraged to go to the the monitor at all, and, and play on was was waived. What was your an initial reaction? Was it same as me at the time? It was Stonewall penalty. Yeah, at the time, absolutely. Obviously, we were at the, we were at the opposite end, but and I didn't see sort of Marley's nudge to Haring in the first place, which kind of forced him to go down to then take out Watkins. I thought Stonewall penalty. Uh, Having seen it back, I can kind of understand why it wasn't a penalty. However, at the same time, you see those given quite regularly, don't you? Well, put it this way, anywhere else on the pitch, it's a free kick to Aberdeen. It's, you know, I, I, just, I just don't see how he wasn't even at least encouraged to go over and, and look at it, given what we've been seeing um, over the last few weeks, in fact, or since whenever the fuck this stupid system was brought in. But it's just another one of these things, obviously Barry Robson picking up on it in his post-match um, press conference, which is great because he's rattled a lot of people in Scottish football by his comments on VAR. Do you think Barry Robson, though, doing that by highlighting the issue with VAR is maybe slight deflection from the result overall? Possibly. And... In that case, it is probably clever because it kind of takes the heat off 
the players as well, which we've seen this season when criticism is there, perhaps don't always react fantastically. I think he does sort of deflect quite well. He knows what he's doing. Uh, anyway, he's, he's been around the game long enough um, uh, to know. And, and certainly in this case, I think I can see why the penalty wasn't given. To sort of try and pin it on that kind of thing, I'm not, I'm not really buying it all that much, although it seems to have worked, especially in the media, uh, I guess, as well. Because um, the annoying thing is there is a little bit of Watkins on Haring first before the penalty, before um, he's taken out. I just don't know if it's enough necessarily for Haring first to not get the penalty, basically, and for the decision to go in Haring's favour. Yeah, uh, one of my, my heart's friends texted me when I asked him his thoughts. Um, he said, well, it was a foul to hearts, if anything, which I still find baffling. I don't don't believe that. Um, there's an incident later on in the, the second half that we'll come on to, which I'm still raging about um, uh, as well. But um, as Adam G points out, since Barry started calling out VAR, we've received nothing from the refs. You could probably argue before Barry started doing that, but um, it was good to see you on Saturday, Adam. And um, Lewis picks up another good point because I did wonder this when I saw that that tweet from PLZ about um, Barry's criticism of VAR is how long before... Um, Barry now receives a touchline button for his criticism of the refereeing performances or, well, VAR performance anyway. Probably after something happens in the St Mirren game, uh, we don't win, Hearts pick up something and then going into the last game, uh, go to Parkhead, we'll be without our manager. I wouldn't be surprised, would you, yeah. the way things are going? Yeah. Um, although on sort of Robson deflecting, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of people said it in the comments, I do agree uh that we were just shit and it doesn't, I mean, the refereeing performance didn't help, but we were just terrible and didn't really deserve it in the end. Yeah, no, I think, you know, we were just so poor once we took the lead and it's, I think for me, you know, I was saying after the game to uh, Rab, we were going, he was like, I would have almost rather we lost that game 3-0 than lose it in the manner that we did, you know, giving us that bit of hope and excitement of going 1-0 up and then just kind of, Shitting the bed, maybe shitting the bed's a bit harsh, but um, really going down quite meekly um, in that second half especially. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we really didn't trouble Xander Clark all that much um, and probably even for our goal, he could have done a lot better coming out, getting nowhere near the cross um, for, for Pollock to get on the end of. We didn't react and I know it's difficult away from home uh, when there is only 600 away fallings, I was raging at the game because I was trying to sing and nobody else was joining in. That's why we don't get points from behind when we can go behind. That's the problem. That's what I've decided. And if I blame it on that, I'll maybe feel better about myself. But Or, uh, hmm? or as Dill McCalloway wants me to take full responsibility for right. the defeat because um, on the way to the game, I walked over three drains and he said, if we lose, I have to admit that it is entirely my fault. So maybe it's that, maybe it's that, but... Yeah, maybe it's not Barry Robson and us just being terrible. Yeah, no, no, definitely not, definitely not. Um, I'm sure Barry Robson, if he was listening, he would agree just to deflect even further. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I wasn't happy with the way he responded. Again, it is hard when you're going to that kind of game at their place when they've got uh, a big crowd and and we're missing three starters that, uh, as, as even Barry Robson said, probably three of your best players. Three of the four, you can maybe argue. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, the, the game was, 
you know, really finely balanced, you know, about five minutes going to half time because hearts were, it really felt piling on the pressure and we were doing all we could in terms of putting bodies on the line. Keller was making a couple of really good saves as well as, as we've mentioned, but unfortunately when you continue to ride your luck, it, it will eventually run out. But I mean, in the manner that it ran out, you can't take anything away from Josh Chinelli for that, that equaliser. And during the minutes applause for the, the heart supporter as well, there was fireworks going off and, as well, it was all very bizarre. And then Josh Janelli releases his own firework into the, the top corner. And that really just seemed to kind of not only shift the momentum of the game, but of both sets of supporters, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was an absolute cracker. And, you know, they missed loads of chances throughout the game. And it's just typical that... Well, not typical. I suppose that's basically the case where our luck runs out eventually because then Josh Janelli pulls that one out, whereas nine times out of ten probably doesn't find the top corner. But the whip, the power, the direction straight into that top corner was unbelievable. I don't want to take anything away from the strike because it was phenomenal uh, in finish. And we had an annoyingly great view of it as well. Yeah, exactly. I almost didn't want to believe it was going into the top corner, but yeah, we had that view right as it kind of hit the side netting and I was like, okay, well, that's t- fine. I can go and get my pie now. Um, so beat, beat the rush at halftime, although not really much rush when you've only got 600 in the away end, but um, fine pie it was actually, state pie. Did you have one? I did. It was like molten lava. It was good, but it was so hot. You know, just got to keep up the pie news on this podcast because I know people tune in just especially for your reviews of the of the pie. Um, but what was your thoughts then at halftime? You know, one one in a game that we really, I guess, a draw would have suited us. Um, how did you feel at halftime? Because I can't help but feel I admit that I felt a little bit deflated purely because mm-hmm. of the the way the goal had gone in and it coming out with really absolutely nothing. Um, Jane Richardson got a bit of stick for his um, defending and it coming down his side, but I don't really think you can apportion a lot of blame to, to Jaden on that goal because I think, you know, Barry Mackay makes a run down, down the wing, which kind of obviously takes Jaden's attention. And I don't know where the midfield is in terms of closing Josh Janelli and Matty Pollock maybe a bit slow to to get out to him, but you, you really can't take anything away from the strike at all. Yeah. I mean, Devlin was up in support as well, which I think took Angus McDonald's attention too. Um, I, I, I do agree though. I, I deflated was the word that I was going to use. Sorry at halftime. And I was just, I felt, I felt like, Oh God, I was delighted that we got in at halftime, just one, one, if I'm honest, <laughs> they kept coming at us. Um, and I don't know, I, I just felt, you know, if we hold on for a point here, it's an absolute miracle. And had I been offered that at the start of the game, I would have taken it, definitely. Um, but I just felt, you know, it's only going to be a matter of time before Hearts do eventually score with the way they're going, the crowd now back up behind them, um, us struggling. I felt it was only going to go one way sort of at that stage, which is not a fantastic feeling. No, and it, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think, as you said, you were kind of hanging on a little bit. So I just thought, you know, if we could get to halftime 1-0 up, their their crowd would have been a bit despondent, the fact that they would so many chances and, and you know, failed to find the um, back of the net when we'd have something to, you know, hold on to um, and continue to frustrate. Um, you know, I think someone said to me on the bus home um, that, 
Hearts had 29 goal attempts within the first hour. Um, certainly felt like most of that was in the first half as well, but it just shows how under the cosh we were throughout that game. But um, maybe a bit too defensively minded from, from Aberdeen? Possibly. I think we did struggle. We, we were penned in for quite a lot of it uh, with little to no escape route. Um, I thought actually towards the end of the game, we switched Shaden Morris to the left-hand side, which meant he was up against Atkinson. Mm. And I remember seeing Robson specifically telling him, get right over on the on him because the ball in behind is on. And he's not a fantastic defender. I felt that's something we could have maybe exploited a little bit more in behind uh, as an outlet when we did get the chance to, to go. But they really penned us in and um, we can't really, we can't take anything away from them, if I'm honest. They absolutely deserved it. And we, should, we really, really, really struggled. And that's two games in a row now. And a lot of them are the same culprits for, for poor performances. I thought Hayes was very bad again. Uh, Ramadani too struggled. Clarkson struggled to control the game. I thought some of his defensive work was pretty good. Um, but it wasn't fantastic. Uh, that's that's interesting because I thought Clarkson was our best player on Saturday by an absolute mile. Um, I thought he was yeah, I mean, I think he was the only one in that midfield that looked interested. Um, you know, you just look at that defensive block he made in the 90th minute. It was probably 94th minute. Yes, it was offside, but he was the only one bursting a gut to get back and clear the ball off the line. Um, he was the only one looking to be inventive with the balls over the top. Um, I know what you're meaning about the the balls to, to Shaden Morris. It was just unfortunate that they weren't working. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can. There was a few times that we tried to play that final pass and it was the heart's head just got there first or the big toe got there um, or we weren't helped by a couple of dodgy decisions from from Kevin Clancy. There was one I remember where um, Shaden Morris, before he got switched, was running down the wing, got tackled, um, uh, out of play, hearts throw in. Um, and he was also running down the uh, centre of the pitch, played the pass. Peter Haring was about 10 yards behind, already starting a slide tackle catches Shaden Morris after Shaden Morris gets the pass away. Oh, heaven forbid we get a free kick, Kevin Clancy. Fuck me. Play mm-hmm. on. It's just some really weird refereeing decisions that, yeah, we're just um, unfortunately having to get, get used to. But, you know, we can't sit here and blame the referee. We can't sit here and, you know, we've got to kind of take our own medicine because we were our own worst enemy. And I think for me, the frustrating thing is the second goal as well is, Poor play from from Aberdeen. Jaden Richardson caught high up the pitch and Hearts exploit that. Ramadani, I think for me, has got to do a lot better to stop the cross in the first place. I think his um, attempt to even get out to block the cross, let alone stick a leg out to block it, is weak beyond belief. But heaven forbid he receives any criticism. Uh, And then Liam Scales, once again, um, like... Um, last weekend against Hibbs, where Kevin Kevin Nisbet runs in front of him, uh, unfortunately last or fortunately I should say for us last weekend, um, Kevin Nisbet puts the ball around the post. This weekend, a goal scorer in as good a form as Lauren Shanklin is not going to make that same mistake, and he capitalises and puts Hearts two one in front. And yeah, that stat about us not being able to come behind from behind to claim any sort of points rolls on for another game. Yeah, I think Pollock was the one that ended up 
playing Shankland onside as well. Um, I really got my hopes up when it went to VAR too. I wonder it was going on as well. <laughs> I know, and I'm, I'm seeing it back. The only thing is, he's literally like just like just onside, uh, which is infuriating. But the defensive line was absolutely shocking. Um, Pollock was a lot deeper than anyone else playing them on, uh, playing them on. And yeah, it, it was a good finish. And, and even after that, you know, we really struggled to respond. And it was probably a matter of you know how many more it was going to be. I remember Forrest stuck an absolutely shocking uh, miss past the post, which he really should have. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. hit the back of the net with it wasn't good it was it sort of felt like it was coming though from as soon as Ginelli equalised yeah and uh, yeah, absolutely I think you're right as soon as it went to 1-1 I think a lot of us had that if we can somehow hold on and, and come away with a point it'll be a great job and that was the thing as well as once it went to 2-1 I had unfortunately no faith in that squad to come back and and grab an equaliser but I think when you look at that game as well you look at the substitutions that that Hearts were making they had a a lot of depth in in their squad they were bringing on players that could change the game or or you know continue to strengthen their position in the game we were bringing on players that had a lack of minutes lack of game time and nobody really enough to to influence that but you know in the grand scheme of things, despite the doom and gloom that that may be, you know, ingesting your ears or coming across on your TVs if you're watching us live tonight on Monday, we're ultimately still in third place, and ultimately the fight is still in our own hands. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, I think, for those of us that were there and for to have such that opportunity to to seal it or keep that position of strength you can't help but feel disappointed in, in what we saw at the weekend. I think for me, that was why I was so angry come full time. Mm. I was hoping we would do, you know, what used to happen to Scrappy-Doo in Scooby-Doo, where someone would hold his head, and then hearts are just there, try to throw the punches, but can't land any of them, and then we're still five points clear. That's what I was hoping would be would be the case, but unfortunately not. A couple other things that I, uh, throughout the game, I was, I really wanted Bavage to come on a little bit earlier. I yes, felt that. Yeah. I know I know he's a young kid, um, but at the same time, we had nothing to lose. 2-1 down at that point. I thought we could have potentially taken off Richardson and just gone with um, Pollock, Scales and, and McKenzie as the back three. On McKenzie, actually, what a hit from uh, the Hearts half into our own net. Not sure why he did that, but do you remember seeing that? No, no idea what, what? you're talking about. I thought Jack McKenzie was absolutely terrible. Um, when he came on as well. That's not my point, though. I can't believe you didn't notice it. I think Hearts got, or we got a free kick or something like that. And for an inexplicable reason, uh, Jack McKenzie nailed it from the Hearts half towards our own goal and it just flew straight into the top corner without bouncing. I've no idea how you missed it. It was unbelievable. No. uh, No, I didn't. Sorry, my final thing on the game, penalty on Miofsky, thoughts? Yeah. I was coming to that. I'll come to that uh, in a minute because um, I want to pick up this um, point from Andrew Southwick that I, I saw on on Twitter um, about the midfield battle. It's kind of, I guess, we've kind of covered it a little bit, but you know, we we, were, we always speak on this podcast about the, the midfield battle and, and how crucial it is in in big games um, from an Aberdeen point of view. 
But I think it's fair to say we very much lost that midfield battle and, you know, maybe that influence of Graham Shinney that he brings to, to our midfield. As I said, with Ramadani being on a booking from quite early in the first half, maybe that restricted him slightly. And the fact that we were relying on Leighton Clarkson to just do about the job of three different players um, really hindered us. Um, he goes on to say the fact that only Clarkson was winning challenges in there. Um, we res- and then at 1-1, we resorted to bypassing the midfield completely, kind of going back to the point that you were saying, it was just long diagonals or long balls over the top, which for the likes of Tony Civic is bread and butter, although I'm maybe sure a few Hearts fans might disagree on. Um, it says, Robson wants to play with intensity, but at 1-1, we're not playing well. We needed to take the sting out of the game. Um, and Hearts did that very well in the last 15 minutes. And that for me was the most frustrating thing in that last 15, mm. 20 minutes. We just kind of lacked any control. Um, there was a lot of hit and hope stuff um, or hit and hopeless um, was maybe more apt. Um, and yeah, I think Hearts were very wise um, to, to some of their play. You know, a lot of players going down injured, mm-hmm. killing the game, slowing it down. Kind of like what we did against Rangers a few weeks back at Pataudry and yeah, we just we couldn't get a grip in the game in that last 15 minutes. Yeah, it was clever, experienced from them. They know what it takes, I suppose, to get that third spot. And when you do get control of a game like that, that's the thing you need to do. Um, and, and in the end, we ended up being scrappy do Try to play the <laughs> long diagonals of Shane and Morris, and we just couldn't land anything. Uh, <coughs> real shame. I did not think we would be speaking about Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo on the podcast today, but here we go. Um, yes, so at 2-1 down, um, we had very few chances, as, as you mentioned earlier, r- really failing to test Sander Clark to any um, significant. But the one kind of clear opportunity I do remember was when out of nothing, one of those balls over the top did work and Boyan Mioski was tearing through. <sighs> Stay on your fucking feet. Mm. Hit it. Mm. What are you going down for? It's it's not a penalty. Like I I was beyond angry that he decided to, for me, it was a very good dive. Mm. Yeah, I thought I'd climb. Um, Watched it back. Sipic is kind of hands on him. And I think Miofsky kind of fucks it up a little bit because instead of continuing to go towards goal, the ball kind of gets stuck at his feet and then Civic's making the contact and then he goes down. But poor and um, on another day, you probably see him take the shot on and hit the back of the net. It's just not what you expect from him, really. I think for me, the thing that angered me most about it as well is for someone that's, you know, up there's one of our top goal scorers is that he didn't have the confidence in his own ability to take that on he was looking for the contact waiting for the contact and taking the opportunity to go down we're, we're behind in the game I could have understood if you wanted to do that when we're 2-3-0 up but not when we're losing the game you've just passed up an opportunity to get an attempt away on goal and the thing is as well is get the attempt away on goal and then if you're you know go down give the referee a decision to make get the get the attempt where we hadn't tested Xander Clark. As you said, didn't cover himself in glory for the opener. You know, Miofsky could have found the back of the net, forced a corner, forced a mistake from Xander Clark. It would have got the crowd, the away end up. It just turned to a few folk appealing for a penalty and a few folk raging that he didn't stay on his feet and get the shot away. Um, You know, there was just, you know, he gets a shot away and puts that behind for a corner. You get the big guys up 
you get the crowd going, you get Hearts a bit nervous. They've already conceded from a set piece. I was just I was really disappointed in in Boyan not staying up for that. Fair. I think he did. I think he did struggle. He got the ball caught at his feet, and then when at that point when the contact came from Sibic, I think he thought oh, I'm I'm not going to get this out of my feet in time. I'll just go down, which I think is basically what happened. <laughs> Yeah, but this isn't Eastern European football anymore. You don't get penalties for the slightest bit of contact. That being said, other end of the pitch, if that was uh, Angus McDonald or Matty Pollock on, on Lawrence Shankland, do you tell me that's not a penalty? Well, who knows? No other way. We don't sound like we're too much of conspiracy theories, I suppose, on this show. Um, but ultimately, Callum, as I said, you know, without being, you know, maybe too doom and gloom, we've vented we've got the the therapy over and ultimately we are still in in third place the job um of doing so is still in our hands what's your confidence levels like of achieving third place after the weekend on the floor um when when i left when i left left castle i was just i felt so defeated and deflated and then someone just pointed out to me it's like well we win and hearts don't then that's it done that's it done on Wednesday. I said, oh, yeah, brilliant. That's good. Then I watched the uh, highlights of St. Mirren against Celtic. Uh, and they were good. They were good. Karis Maiden's a problem. And uh, I am not confident. And I just feel like, as I said earlier in the show, Hearts have taken many a doing from Rangers. It would just be so typical that now that they need a result, you know what falls. You know how it goes, don't you? Yeah, you know when Rangers are going to concede their first league penalty of the season. Um, exactly. And probably play like Leon King and all sorts. <laughs> and just because, oh, it doesn't matter. But it is their last game, home game of the season at the same time. So they don't want, you know, to to upset the uh, the Bears um, <laughs> before before the end of the season and make them more upset about things, I suppose. So there's that too. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to take care of our business because even if Hearts win and we still win, it's still in our hands. And Celtic are giving away points like nobody's business at this rate. Yeah, I know that. Well, I guess the encouraging thing is that obviously it remains in our hands, but I don't want it to go down to the last day of the season and we need to go to Parkhead and, and get a result. They're giving away points, but it's their trophy day. But Let's let's speak about the game then uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, let's get into that then, because as you said, you've watched the the highlights from their two two draw at, at Parkhead. Now, what's doing my head in, and I about chewed the ear off of one of the boys at work today when he goes, "It's all right, he's will beat St Mirren on Wednesday." I don't. What is going through people's heads that we've suddenly got a divine right to beat St Mirren at home? Um, I mean, ultimately, we have to win the game. Um, a draw is not good enough from an Aberdeen perspective um, on Wednesday night. But people have got to remember as well, St Mirren actually have something to play for coming up against here because, of course, their European hopes remain alive after that point on Saturday and um, coupled with Hibs losing um, 3-1 to Rangers because a win for the Buddies would see them um, leapfrog Hibs, providing Hibs um, lose to Celtic. And, and put St Mirren in, in fifth position going into the final set of games um, where, depending obviously on the Scottish Cup outcome, could see fifth um, claim European football. So it's not just going to be in a game where the, the away team are coming up here with, with nothing to play for. And as you said from uh, before we came live, watching that highlights, St Mirren 
caused Celtic no end of problems. Curtis Main could have and arguably should have scored five. Yeah, his his goal, his first his goal and um, opening goal was absolutely aided by Joe Hart, um, which was very poor. But he did well to uh, uh, get the shot off in the first place. Uh, obviously, second goal and um, good header, I suppose. He hit the post and he had two other chances that went narrowly over the bar. Um, he, I don't know what's happened to him since leaving us, especially just this season, but he's turned into an absolute player. Obviously, his goal up towards you last time as well uh, was unbelievable mm. uh, in, in our defeat uh, when McCrory got sent off early. Semenon are a good team. They could have battered Celtic. Celtic lucky to get uh, a draw. Obviously, they are maybe on the beach a little bit waiting for that Scottish Cup final. Um, They were very, very poor. But Semenon are a very good side. Ryan Strain's delivery is excellent. Ryan Strain also should have scored uh, against Celtic. Missed from about six yards out. Um, I'm worried. I'm very much worried. Of course, we're we're going to have those three players back, um, apparently. Um, So, you know, that gives us a little bit of a boost. But again, it's going to be a big crowd. But sometimes that doesn't go well, Pintaldry. So I'm, I'm very, very nervous. Go ahead. Yeah, and I suppose Ryan Strain, as you, you mentioned, he's got a good delivery, but he also knows how to hit a set piece, as we saw in their 2-2 draw against Hearts. And seem to be 2-2 draw specialists um, at the moment, do St Minnan. But also, um, as you said, another player that put in a, a world of a performance for the Buddies was Trevor Carson. Um, a player that we're going to have to put the ball past to have any chance of winning. Um, and some minute, I'm sure we're going to be hoping for him to be in inspired form again. Absolutely. I mean, he saved the ball with his face at Parkhead as well. So his commitment is not to be questioned. Uh, he's been very, very good for them. And the fact that United let him go is pretty funny, uh, considering what the state they've ended up in. But we seem to be very, very good at taking chances when we don't have many of them lately. Um, so we've got to hope that continues. But Trevor Carson is a more than capable goalkeeper. The defence looks very solid. Joe Shockless got an absolute world of a throw-in on him too, which concerns me. Um, yeah. Hopefully Agent Joe's uh, helping us out this week. <laughs> absolutely. And not only amongst all of that, Alex Gogic... Um, was pretty good at Parkhead too. And him and Curtis May look very similar, which is also confusing. So let's hope that doesn't trouble us. But he seems to be getting forward in support of them as well. And not just this holding midfield jobber. <sighs> They're a good side. And I'm, yeah, I am a little bit scared. But at the same time, you know, if, if Duke's back, I was worried about when he went off with his injury. I thought if that's his hamstring gone, then we could be in serious danger here. But if he's back and most importantly, fully fit, because in, in the games, in the build-up to his injury, he wasn't at his best. So we need yeah. to rely on him, Ross McCrory, uh, too. And I'm sure Graham Shinney will be back with a point to prove as well. No, I think he'll be like, uh, be in the bonnet of the Aberdeen midfield, just buzzing about all over the place. Uh, hopefully he just doesn't get himself sent off. That'd be great if you could avoid doing that, Graham. Um, but I think, you know, we're certainly looking at a, a good crowd, as you uh, said, I was... Uh, in the ticket office this afternoon, um, picking up tickets for the weekend. And there seemed to be a set steady stream of people coming in, either collecting tickets for Wednesday night and buying tickets for Saturday as well. I mean, um, as Kaiser pointed out in the comments, only 700 tickets we've got um, for 
um, Saturday's game at Parkhead, which of course we'll be previewing live on Thursday night. Um, so you've got two for the price of one this week on on live podcasts on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. So if you are watching here for the first time, um, hit that subscribe button, chuck the notifications on so you get notified when we are back on Thursday. And if you're enjoying this video as well, um, leave us a like. But um, as you said, Calm, you know, pressure maybe from a big home support, an expectant home support, because there is that expectation that we should be beating the St Mirren side. A lot is also being made. Um, we don't want to sound too much like we're wearing tinfoil hats, but the fact that former St Mirren player Don Robertson uh, is the man in charge of the game this weekend, uh, sorry, midweek. Um, much thoughts on that? My main concern is just that he's useless, um, but a lot of them are. But still, I'm not certain how that's allowed. Uh, it seems, imagine like Steve Tosh was just refereeing an Aberdeen game or something like that. That would be insane, wouldn't it? Steve Tosh, the man who doesn't see the point in having walls at free kicks, that would be hilarious to see him <laughs> refereeing a game. Um, good to see that Al Mitchell um, has a bit of confidence. We're going to have to be on top form on Wednesday, but I have absolute faith in us getting the job done on Wednesday. Come on, you Reds. Um, of course, Calm, you alluded to the fact that um, Barry Robson mentioned in his post-match press conference to Red TV that um, Duke McCrory and Graham Shinney are all set to return, whether that was just a wee nugget thrown in there to appease anybody like myself, who was absolutely raging, sitting on the bus um, trying to get out of Edinburgh. Um, but if, of course, if true, uh, a huge boost to uh, our chances this, this midweek. I'm pinning my hopes on that, exactly. If If um, I'd say we need at least two of them back because we've not looked the same uh, without them. Um, you, know, you know the type of things Duke can do, especially even in a game we're holding on to. Um, you know that he can come up with a bit of magic every now and then. And I, I'm, I'm absolutely putting my hopes on that because it's the same team that started at Tynecastle uh, with the sort of weight that Mirren have been playing. I would be worried. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest one that I, I want to see back is probably Ross McCrory for that that right-back slot um, because Kennedy's clearly not fancied um, in there under Barry Robson because we didn't see him at the weekend. Um, but yeah, Jaden, again, showed his defensive frailties. Maybe not going to be exposed as much at home, but um, in a game that carries so much pressure as it does this weekend, and um, you know, we really do need to have our strongest 11 out. You can tell I'm not used to having midweek games. So I keep calling it the weekend game. Um, but I do think the return of Graham Shinney into that midfield is, is just hugely important because as well, if decisions aren't going our way, you know that Graham is going to be buzzing around nipping Don Robertson's ear because there was a few times, um, I think Stu said to me, he was like, Shinny needs to be having a word with the ref, mm. you know, getting in his ear saying, look, these decisions aren't, you know, working in our favour. They aren't aren't right. Do something, basically. And it's, could, could Graham Shinny be a key in that midfield and having that influence, not only on our team, but also maybe manipulating the, the man in the middle? Don't use manipulating. He will end up with an honest suspension. Uh, absolutely. I think we do, we do miss that. Um, for all John, he's experienced things like that. I don't think he is, you know, a sort of natural captain. Graham Shinney, as well as, okay, maybe he's gone against him recently. Uh, he does usually, you know, run the line of 
midfield enforcer whilst getting away with it pretty well, uh, which could absolutely be vital in a, in a tough um, St Mirren midfield. St Mirren will be without Alex Grieve, however. I know he's a forward, but just to let you know, we'll be out with him without him because he's out until the end of the season, uh, which is good. But uh, after he went out of the team, Keanu Bacchus came back in. So it's still not fantastic. Um, but it'll, it'll be a, a very, very... Interesting one and not one I'm looking forward to, but I'm going to try and be a bit more positive. And you've been saying weekends when it's midweek, you're going to have to get used to it for next season when we're in the Europa League group stages. All right. Oh, very good. Jesus Christ. What has gone into you the last two minutes? Um, if McCrory Duke are not 100% fit, say they're, let's say hypothetically, 60% fit, are you starting them or? Are you not risking one or two of them um, in this scenario? It's tough because you could end up going into the game against Celtic needing to pick up something. In that case, you would have wanted to have them rested uh, and and closer to that 100%. Um, right now, you'd probably argue not everyone's 100% anyway, but at this stage of the season, everyone's carrying some sort of little niggle or something's not right, something's a bit tight. So... I think I would risk them and put it all on the line in this game. Um, Duke sometimes when he is uh, kind of a little bit of a knock is sort of anonymous, but just based on that maverick nature of him, I would have him in the team. And I think the problem with Ross McCrory, Ross McCrory being out is the alternatives are so poor. Um, I would honestly probably be more likely to not play Duke over McCrory, as I say, because Watkins came in and, he did a decent job, but at the same time, after him not playing for ages and then playing whatever he played, 70 minutes, let's say, uh, he's probably fucked by now as well. Yeah, I think um, I would kind of agree on that. We've got to risk McCrory over Duke, especially, as you say, if we do need to go into that last game of the season needing something. And at least if you know Duke has 20, 30 minutes in him, you could bring him on as an impact sub if you know the game's nil-nil at that point for say because the the crowd would 100% be lifted by his introduction rather than him you know playing an hour and going off and thinking oh god here comes Marley Watkins we're you know needing a goal not nothing against Marley Watkins it's just usually the first go-to sub that that's all in case Sean Neville gets offended because I know how much he loves him um but yeah that's just one of them this decisions that Barry Robson is is got and will ultimately be judged by those in attendance and us on the live on Thursday by by what he um, goes ahead and does. But I think as well what the weekend did show um, was just how limited this current squad is, and again re-emphasizes the job that um, is on hand, you know, for the summer. And I think. Whether it's the Europa League group stages, as you're so confidently predicted, Conference League, or hopefully one or the other, um, you know, from finishing third, we do need better strength and depth because it's mm-hmm. quite seriously lacking right now. Absolutely, we do. And uh, that job has potentially been made more difficult with Mr. Mowbray going down south and basically to France. Couldn't get further away if he tried. Uh, to Southampton yes well teed up teed up and you smashed out of the park it's almost like we worked on that link as well but we definitely didn't because when you messaged me earlier in the week to say uh, Mowbray was away I thought you meant Tony Mowbray had left Sunderland not Darren Mowbray leaving Aberdeen so you can tell how on the ball I was about that 
I know. Uh, it would be really harsh on Tony Mowbray if he got sacked. It would have been did with such a young squad, but also get it up them for not getting promoted. But uh, you'd like to think with Darren Mowbray leaving, you know, that we are uh, going to be, there's a contingency plan in place. And also, I just hope he's going to leave his database with identified players for the short list left up here and not take Dukar Miovsky down south with him as well. Yeah, of course, not like Boyamiovsky was previously linked with Southampton a couple of months ago. Um, just saying. Um, but, you know, of course, Aberdeen, who widely comment on the fact that we work a couple of transfer windows in advance, um, I think it would be safe to say that we should be okay um, for this summer summer in terms of targets identified um, and just hopefully that we can get those deals over the line quickly enough um, but possibly early enough so that the players are in and, and can gel in enough time for um, the start of that European adventure that we all hope that it still comes to fruition, of course. Mm-hmm. I think the way that the results went at the weekend the likelihood of us finishing anywhere below fourth is pretty um, hard going with the fact that, that Hibs lost. So you would like to think we've got a, a reasonable chance of um, progressing in Europe. Obviously, we want to um, get that third place, that guaranteed five million that, that comes with it. Um, but also the guaranteed group stage football as well would be a huge financial boost um, because mm-hmm. you're guaranteed big crowds for that. But one player that we seem to have signed um, already, although nobody wants to admit it. Well, neither club anyway, because um, I think Callum, you said the players come out and all but admitted it today is yep. Nicky Devlin. And that, after the weekend, further highlights some good recruitment because it's definitely the one area that needed addressed ASAP. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just said uh, a massive moment to go. Um, you know, hopefully we can get the, uh, you know, we're working a few windows in advance and, and getting business over the line quickly. So quick that neither sets of the club are willing to announce it. Uh, nobody's got any clue what's going on. Everyone's seen the photo by now. Um, he's Nicky Devlin did an interview and basically said why he's choosing Aberdeen and still nothing official. So I don't know what's the whole, what the holdup is uh, at this point, but. I'm quite happy with Nicky Devlin coming in, if, I, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. he's, it's free, it's shrewd. Not every player is going to be a Duke. And um, I think a solid a solid addition. And uh, also, you know, with the money that we're apparently going to get from McKenna now, three quarters of a million for Nottingham Forest staying in the league. Didn't even know that was an instalment until about two days ago. So um, it, 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 with, with that... Potentially McCrory money and the hopefully uh, European money, we could be in a nice position. We could be in a nice position with Cormac coins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure the Cormac coins are being topped up very nicely um, with that, that McKenna deal. But as Skokser says on Nicky Devlin, captain, grafter, fighter, natural in that position. And I think for us, that is the main thing to have somebody in that natural position. But mm-hmm. also, um, you know, obviously, because it's not been announced yet, we don't know how long the, the deal is. I would assume maybe a couple of years, but it could be a, an ideal, you know, player for Jaden Richardson to to learn under a, a player that knows the league. Because you know, Jaden is on a long contract here and mm-hmm. probably going to be the backup to to Nicky Devlin next season. So someone that he can definitely learn off of. Um, and I know the Talk Livy boys are very disappointed to to see that, that that picture being circulated and the um, departure of the player, of course, that they sponsor 
um, at the moment. So maybe a transfership, a sponsorship from Talk Levy to RTG, who knows? Um, a few of you in the comments here um, saying it's it's two years. Um, so I think I'd be pretty happy with um, that on, on that length of time and um, yeah, good proactive recruitment there early on. Um, we'll just wait for the official announcement on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think Piers is about right, given uh, his age. Right now, he's probably in his peak at 29 in a couple of years' time, perhaps not. But that's two years, potentially. Uh, well, Jane Richardson will still be here. You'd think um, if he doesn't go back down south, that's two years he could be his understudy, learn from him. And by that point, he's still only going to be 23, 24, and maybe then he'll be ready for stuff. Uh as a backup, you know, with Devon, who's maybe a bit more solid defensively, and you've got the attack, attacking, more um, athletic option of Jaden Richardson as well, not a bad spot to be in. Yeah, and as we said, with the um, potential of um, more games next season with Europe, um, domestic cup competitions as well, you do need that option. So, you know, potentially utilise Jaden Richardson, those sort of things. Um, of course, that's assuming that Jaden is here next season as well but um, always good to get some transfer talk on the show we're coming up to that time where there's going to be rumours galore leaks galore I'm sure I mean Considine and his agent got a lot of slack for leaking the deal I wonder who's getting the blame for leaking that photo because I'm sure the club will not be happy it's absolutely mental that's made its way out because surely only like one person has that photo so it's not hard to pin who it would be um, but Insane, but it, it made me feel it's made me feel a little bit a little bit better, and we've had a bit more of a positive note to end uh, this podcast on as well. But I am very excited. I always get super excited around transfer windows because um, I just I just love how, how it all works, and you know, getting excited about a player, like Gumbly, not who's leaving, what's going on. It's, it's just fun, and we, we don't lose, so it's good. Yeah, will he be a Duke? Will he be a Richardson? Who knows? We can't wait to find out. Um, and then, of course, as well. Once the season finishes at the weekend, we'll have the fixtures to look forward to, European draws to look forward to, Skyscanner to get loaded up. It's an exciting time. It absolutely is. Sorry, you buffered a little bit there. Uh, exciting time, but I have fucked it up by booking a holiday. Uh, so I will be in Hungary and Croatia uh, if we are in the Europa League playoffs or even the Conference League playoffs uh, because I booked it when we were like seventh in the league. So if we could draw a team from one of those countries, that would be perfect. Yeah, I hope Caitlin knows that that would be part of the holiday itinerary. <laughs> I have mentioned it. I don't think she's happy about it, though. Nah, needs must. Um, but yes, as I said, uh, a slightly more positive note to end the podcast on. Maybe a bit of doom and gloom in the early stages, but we needed to vent. We needed to get our emotion out, and it's all full steam ahead to Wednesday night, where a near-pack Pataudry, I'm sure, um, will be fully behind Robson and the boys um, to hopefully can continue that push for third place. Absolutely. Uh, we, 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 oh, God. No, now I'm getting scared again. Let's just stop. Let's stop before I work myself into a shoot. Okay, then. I'll end it here. Thanks very much for those that tuned in tonight on the Red Tinted Glasses Live on YouTube um, and those that are catching up on audio. As we said, we will be back on Thursday evening, probably 7, 7.30. Um, if you follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast, we'll put an announcement up there. But as we said as well, if you do subscribe to the channel, um, you'll be able to get a notification when we are live. So thanks very much for tuning in. Until next time. Come on, you Reds!